Welcome back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to Season 4, Episode 17. Buon Natale and Merry Christmas from Italy. I hope that you are enjoying this wonderful holiday season wherever you are in the world. The holidays are a time to be with friends and family and to sort of just take a breath and take a breather. And I'm embracing the fact that I live in Italy and I'm going to be doing that. So this will be my farewell episode for the year 2022. And then I will be back, of course, in the new year after January 6th with a new episode and we will celebrate the new year together. And so I just wanted to give you a quick heads up that that is our schedule for the next couple of weeks. And I look forward to being back here with you in January. But today, I've got a great episode to share with you. And Vera has a wonderful segment of La Vera Italia. And I just want to share with you some things that have been happening. Of course, I am here in Italy, all alone. Except, of course, for all the Italians that live here, too. And for Alessandro's family, who has been such a delight. And it really, really feels like I have family here that loves me. And I get to do things for them. They get to do things for me. And so I'm also sort of setting up the house here and still getting settled in and sort of moving furniture around still and, and, you know, finding like, oh, this is kind of a dark corner. I need to go buy a lamp for this table. Little things like that. This this apartment is sort of a, a hodgepodge of things that were left behind from the original owners and some of Alessandro's grandmother's furniture. So it's just kind of a very eclectic mix. I haven't been spending too much time decorating this apartment because I'm just focused on so many other things right now. One of the things I had to do this past week was to get an old washing machine and an old freezer out of the apartment. So Alessandro's mother lined up a couple of guys to come and pick up these these two pieces of equipment and take them down the stairs of the apartment because they wouldn't go into the elevator. So in preparation for these guys coming to the apartment, I moved the freezer out and put it by the door. And then I went to the bathroom and decided I would unhook the washing machine from the wall, unplug it, of course, and and, unscrew the water hose from the wall. So I turned the water off all the way you know, I turned the knob that was leading into the washing machine where the cord connects to the wall, the water, the water uh, sort of input into the washing machine. I turned that knob all the way off and I started unscrewing the hose from the washing machine and all of a sudden water just started just going everywhere from that hose. Fortunately, I, I didn't quite have the hose completely disconnected so it was easy for me to tighten it back up and try to figure out like what is going on here. So I, t- I tried once again, tightening the, the on-off water. And I was like, man, it, it feels like it's all the way, turned all the way off. But why is there still water coming out? Is there pressure inside, built up inside the washing machine? Like what's going on? So about three different times, I tried to unhook that hose, thinking that maybe there was something else going on. Well, I didn't realize this, but there was some a buildup of like some calcium and and something that had gotten through the water line and it had blocked the handle from being able to turn all the way closed. So it was like never going to be closed. And so I I cleaned up the water. I had to use a couple towels and a mop and I cleaned up all the water. Alessandro's mother wanted to come by and so she could, you know, help me with these with these two guys and tell them what needed to be done just in case there was a sort of a language barrier that was very sweet of her. So I told her, you know, uh, obviously here's the wa- here's the, the the freezer, but I'm having a little trouble with the washing machine. So she goes into the bathroom and she's like, oh yeah, you just turn this do- down. And then I'm like, well, I already did that. I'm trying to explain to her in Italian. I, I already tried that, but there's still water coming out. So she tried it and water went everywhere. The hose came completely off and water was squirting absolutely all over the bathroom. Fortunately, the bathroom was tile, but there was some furniture in there and water was getting under the furniture and it was just an absolute mess. So it took her and I about 20 minutes to get that mess cleaned up. Now, this is the second time we flooded the bathroom. (laughs) So we get it all cleaned up. 
We're running out of towels because the towels now are all wet. So we've been wringing the towels out and she, you know, is using the mop bucket like a like a real Italian woman who knows how to clean. Because let me tell you something. Nobody knows how to clean their homes, their villas, their apartments like Italians. They are famous for it, but they are meticulous. And so she's, you know, mopping the floor and getting all this water into the mop bucket. And then the two guys come to pick up the appliances and take them down the stairs. So they go into the bathroom. Now we've just cleaned the bathroom up, cleaned up all the water. They go in there and they try the same thing again. And sure enough, this time it was like uh, truly a flood. And the water just went everywhere. It filled the entire bathroom up and then it started creeping out into the hallway. And I'm like freaking out because I'm like, you know, what's it going to take? So Alessandra's mother runs out into the hallway and and she said, you know, I know where I know where the shutoff valve is for the the main shutoff valve. So she runs out and she shuts off the outside in the hallway. She shuts off the water going into the apartment and which thank goodness she knew where that was because I didn't know where that was. Anyway, finally, the piece that was lodged in the in the line that was blocking the water valve from from being able to be turned off. Finally, that came out, that got dislodged, and then they were able to turn the water off. But oh my gosh, what a mess that was. And of course, I never miss an opportunity. So I captured a surrounding sound (laughs) of that flood happening when those two guys were there and the water spraying everywhere and, and the chaos and trying to empty the, you know, wring all the water out of the towels into the bathtub. And anyway, it was crazy, but we figured it out. We got it. Now, I don't have a washing machine right now because the washing machine we ordered is going to be delivered. It's supposed to be delivered this week, but it's Christmas, so I don't know if it's going to be delivered or not. So I might be washing clothes by hand for a while. I don't know. Anyway, the old one's out, the new one's coming, and slowly but surely, this is starting to feel more and more like home, and and I'm really enjoying being here. So I drove Alessandro's aunt to a doctor's appointment the other day at the hospital, which is really nearby here in downtown Conagliano. And so after the appointment, I took her home and we had also stopped to do some grocery shopping and and stopped at another place. So she had some bags. So I decided to carry the bags up to the door for her. And, you know, it was raining and I walk up to the door and Alessandro's uncle opens the door and all of a sudden from inside the house, I hear this barking and this dog. You remember the dog that I've talked to you guys about before? Well, that dog comes running out of the house in the rain while I've got my arms full of bags and he starts trying to attack me outside of their house. I'm not even in the house. I haven't even gotten in the house. So the dog is like coming at me and I'm trying to like kick the dog away from biting me because the last time it bit Alessandro, like it made him bleed. And and I'm like, I cannot believe this is happening again with this crazy dog. I didn't even know they still had the dog. I'm shocked that they still have the dog. Anyway, I, you know, what are you supposed to do when you've got your arm full of groceries and and bags and stuff and a dog is trying to attack you? So I'm like kicking the dog away and the dog finally, I finally kicked the dog away. I hate kicking animals, but I mean, what are you going to do? This dog is a very aggressive, mean dog. So I mean, a, a little bit of me sort of feels like the dog deserves it because why is it coming out and attacking me of all people? And so this is like the fourth encounter now that we've had with this dog. And this is like, it has happened at three different houses. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So of course, then there's a huge uproar. And uh, then the dog won't come back in the house because I've just walked in the house with the bags to get away from the dog. And the dog now is staying outside because it's confused. Like, oh my gosh, I just tried to attack someone and they, and they sort of, you know, I didn't really hurt the dog, but I think I popped the dog in the nose with my shoe when I was trying to, you know, trying to protect myself. And the dog, I think, was so stunned. And I think I just hit him just right in the nose that he was just shocked and he didn't know what to do. Uh, Obviously, he doesn't understand the the concept of, of discipline and rules and good behavior. So he maybe he's never had Maybe he's never had any proper training. Anyway, he wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting being attacked. The dog wasn't expecting me to fight back, I guess. 
Anyway, so I go in the kitchen, and then there's this uproar. There's this uproar. They're trying to drag the dog into the spare room to lock it in the room so that I can leave the house. And it's just, I mean, the whole thing is just chaotic. And, you know, Alessandro's aunt is very upset with her husband because the dog was not supposed to, you know, come out of the house. And she's blaming the uncle. The uncle's saying it's not his fault. It's just, so I just want to get out of that house as fast as possible because of the dog. Because I'm, I feel like, you know, here I've just, you know, been in the middle of something I wasn't wanting to be in the middle of. Finally, I got out of the house and I'm like, I am never, ever, ever, ever stepping foot in this house again, unless I know the dog is not there. I'm not going to step foot in the house if the dog is supposedly locked in a back room. I'm never, ever, ever going in that house again with that dog. Just never going to do it. I didn't think I was going to do it again. I never thought I'd have to meet that dog again. But this dog just keeps coming back into my life anyway. I'm telling you guys, I'm a very patient person. But I just feel like it's the definition of insanity to have to keep reliving this just issue with this stupid dog that should not be in the family anymore. The dog needs to go away. The dog needs to be gone. He's he's causing <laughs> problems in that family. He's personally causing me problems. He's caused Alessandro problems. Let's just leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything about Alessandro's family. Just letting you guys know that's what happened this week. Now, it's been interesting. This is the first 10 days without being with Alessandro and we talk and FaceTime multiple times a day. We kind of have a schedule, but there's this period of time in the morning where, when Alessandro is still asleep in the United States. And so until about, we don't talk until about, oh, like two o'clock in the afternoon or so in, in Italian time. So from about when I get up in the morning around 6 until 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm, I am completely alone unless I'm doing something with Alessandro's family or whatever. I just, it's like complete silence. And any of my friends and family in New York and California are on, you know, that sort of same time zone, California even more so. And so it's just, it's been really interesting to sort of readjust to the fact that when you move to Italy, if your friends and family and your loved ones are on a really, really opposite time zone, that's a really, that's a big adjustment. And that's something you have to get used to again. Your your friends and family have to remember that you are not on the same time zone as them. Oftentimes they forget and they'll call you in the middle of the night. <laughs> but it's, it's this kind of crazy adjustment that you have to go through all over again. And, and sometimes like I'll really need to ask Alessandro a question or or I have something I, I need to run by him or, um, you know, I'll need to, or I want maybe to talk to somebody in California. And I just remember, oh yeah, well, I can't do that because it's two o'clock in the morning there. I can't call them. So that's always an interesting adjustment. And if you move to Italy, that's something you're going to experience. And it is, it's a very real thing. But even though it's inconvenient, there are some parts of it that are kind of actually kind of nice because you you're kind of kind of have this quiet period of your day that you get to really focus. And I've got a lot of projects I'm working on right now, and I need time to be quiet and focus. So I've really been embracing and enjoying this. It's been a really interesting experience. And Alessandro's mother, I just adore her. She is just she's just the sweetest woman ever. Today, she just unexpectedly dropped by and she had with her a little tiny artificial Christmas tree that with a whole bunch of decorations that I think she had in her storage in her garage or something. And and so she just brought it by because she thought I needed some Christmas decorations here in the apartment. And that was so sweet of her. And I just, I, I just really enjoy her. She, and she enjoys being with me she just talks and talks and I just sort of listen and and I understand what she's saying. Uh, most of the time I understand exactly what she's saying and I, I communicate as best with her as I can. And the other day I took her to my favorite grocery store that she's never been to before and we just walked through the grocery store together and, you know, we drove there. It took us, you know, about 20 minutes to get there and walk through the grocery store and she's helping me get ingredients for eggplant parmigiana because I'm going to make that 
Alessandro's going to make a batch of it in the United States. I'm going to make a batch of it here in Italy. And we're going to do it together over the phone on FaceTime because he's going to teach me how to do it. I've never made it. His eggplant parmigiana is so, so, so good. So I wanted to make it for Christmas. So he's going to teach me how. And you can make it and then you can put it in the freezer and pull it out whenever you're ready to cook it. But just spending that time with his mom, she treats me like a son. And I just am so grateful for her. She's so... She's got true unconditional love and she's just such a beautiful human she just has nothing but the the most unconditional acceptance and love for alessandro and and me and it's just and 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 everybody that's just who she is and so antonietta grazie mille buon natale she doesn't listen to this podcast but i just i'm feeling extra grateful for her today i've been today i I took her, actually, she was visiting her mother and Alessandro's grandmother. She was visiting her mother and and I I brought her back home. And on the way home, we stopped at a pet store and she was trying to get some pet food for her cats and her dogs. And anyway, it's just it's just fun to do little errands, like run little errands like that with with her. I'm feeling grateful for the life that I have here in Italy right now. It, it's a real opportunity to accomplish some things and to sort of, I've cut out a lot of distractions. When I'm in the United States, I'm much more easily distracted because it's my home country and there's so many things that I can be doing and, and I've got more friends there and and it's just, it's great to be there, but I'm able to be more productive here, I'm, I'm finding. And so I'm feeling really good about that. So that's how things have been going here, and that's kind of my update. And that sort of leads us into our segment with Vera. This will be our last La Vera Italia segment for the year 2022. I can't believe it. At the beginning of this year, I didn't even know Vera. I didn't even have any idea that that I'd have such a wonderful sort of partner that would come and join me each week in this podcast. It's amazing how much this year, how much of a difference this year has made. So for the last time this year, here is our segment, La Vera Italia with Vera Sarsano. Ciao Vera, welcome back to another segment of La Vera Italia. Ciao Nathan, tutto bene? Sì, tutto bene. Sei pronto per Natale? Quasi. E tu? Sì. Sì. I decided I would start with an Italian question today for you. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean I don't have one for you. I'm sure you do. Would you like to ask me? <laughs> well, yeah. Speaking of Christmas, of course, because that's kind of the spirit this week, right? Qual è il regalo di Natale più bello che hai mai ricevuto in vita tua? Okay, I think I got it. Let's try it one more time, a little slower. Qual è il regalo di Natale più bello che hai ricevuto in vita tua? Mm-hmm. What is the most beautiful Christmas gift you've ever received in your life? Yeah, that was my question, because I'm curious. (laughs) Well, if I'm being really honest, there was a time uh, a few years ago when my grandfather gave all of his grandkids a lot of money each for Christmas. (laughs) It's, It's pretty hard not to say that that's not the best gift. That's a hard question, Vera, because there's a lot of them, but... Well, it's fine. You can stick with your first answer, which was not bad at all, because I know it's not perfect Christmas spirit where the (laughs) thought that counts, but still, let's go with your grandfather's big fat check, but in Italian. Okay, let me see if I can tell you in Italian. Il regalo di Natale più bello di mia vita, della mia vita, della mia vita, è stato un assegno Grande da mio nonno. Perfect. I doubt that it was really perfect, but anyway, I got it out. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to ask you the same question. And what was your best Christmas gift you've ever received? 
Yeah. When you were thinking about yours, I was like, oh my God, if he's asking me, I have no idea. Because <laughs> I got it's so hard. many. Yeah. It's a hard so many question. amazing gifts. And it's I just know. so hard to tell. It's just a. Sometimes it's literally the thought or sometimes you just go to, you know, the brand new iPhone or things like that. Right. So like big presents. But I think it's actually getting to have things like I want, like getting things my way, like the Christmas tree, decorating, putting up the Christmas tree. My husband mm-hmm. lets me do it the way I want because he knows that even if he puts one tiny decoration on, I will change it. So it's like, okay, it's your Christmas tree. Uh, three you do whatever I just get out of your way you tell me what I have to do if I need to do anything so just being very Christmassy in my way that's my best gift so having Christmas on your terms yeah yeah that sounds like that sounds like a dream that sounds really wonderful oh that was such a great question Vera well so moving along we are continuing and finishing up your really wonderful list that you started in the last episode about how to decide where you should live where you should buy property where you should put down roots in italy and how you should make that decision because that decision is not the same for everybody you started us off last week with such a great list. And I'm really curious to hear what else you have to share with us today. So last week we talked about Italian geography, let's say. So uh, what kind of landscapes and territories Italy has to offer beside, of course, art and food and everything you all know about. And I finished by mentioning that we can divide the Italian peninsula into three macro areas, so big areas, the north, the center, and the south. And of course, they are very different. The north is famous for its hardworking rural lovers and kind of cold uh, people for its clean streets and best uh, services there and many opportunities. Let's say the North is the most European part of Italy. But of course, there's traffic, there's pollution, a lot of factories and people are kind of stressed because... uh, we're still Italian, so like kind of the laid back Mediterranean kind of spirit. And if you put a lot of pressure on these characters, then they break more easily than others. So it's kind of a stressful area, but of course it's beautiful and has the mountains and the lake and so on. Then there's the south, which is famous for Osolemio, right? The sun shining and the coast and the best food, the best coffee and warmer people. But also, unfortunately, for a higher criminality rate, for example, they lack basic services, especially like garbage or uh, public transportation, trains or things like that. And there's a kind of old school vision of life, like traditional values are still a big thing there. So basically that's kind of the South. And then you have the center. Nobody talks about the center. I do, because mm-hmm. I already told you that's real Italy, uh, for me at least. And it's like the in-between, right? And in fact, I did some research with all the rankings for different regions in Italy, just for a few things, because actually something you can Google very easily on your own. I had a look at the health service in Italy. You know, we have a public health service all over Italy. And then there are also private hospitals and clinics. But public health service, I must say, work pretty well. And obviously, there are rankings with the best regions or areas, I would say, always being Trentino Alto Adige. Remember, I told you it's like a special region part of it. Uh, actually speaks German, not even Italian. So you have Bolzano and Trento. But let's say as a region, Trentino Alto Adige is always first. And then you have Emilia Romagna, which is the region with Bologna. And even though it's part of the north, geographically speaking, uh, 
last week I told you that I sort of consider it center because of how people live their lives and also food is more towards the center than the north. So it's like a perfect region and it ranks basically second in Italy for health services. And then you have Lombardia, Toscana and Veneto in the pole positions. Mm -hmm. So where I'm from, where you live and where I live now. So we are fine. While at the bottom of this rankings, for example, starting from the very last place, unfortunately, we have Calabria, so the very south, Molise, Abruzzo, and Campania. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how hospitals work or even the time it takes you to get something done and general hygiene. Now, I'm not saying that there are not good doctors in Calabria or in Campania, obviously, but the average, you see, like the average health service and also how many doctors you have per um, person, like the proportion of inhabitants and doctors like your um, GP that we all have for free in Italy and all these sorts of things. So it's very important unless you, well, you plan on going back home because sometimes you feel safer. Maybe you can't, you move, you're moving to Italy from Europe, so you prefer to go back home if you have any health issue. But you never know, right? Um, it's a good thing. Maybe you feel safer knowing which regions have the best service and which one is not that perfect. Another thing that I really care about, uh, another rankings that I checked, is actually for um, waste like, you know, how we have to recycle things and how we do that and how the waste management goes, because there's a lot of waste we produce. My husband and I, just the two of us, sometimes I can't believe how much waste. And I try to do my part and not buy things that have too much packaging or things like that, but still, it's kind of a problem. And I have a map right here. Unfortunately, Italy is not one of the best nations in the world, but still we have the whole North doing great and Sardinia also doing pretty well. And part of Tuscany and Marche, so two regions in the center doing well. And then the rest of Italy is red. Now I'm telling you this because this means that there's a problem maybe. Um, and especially Naples and Campania in general, but also Palermo and Rome got pretty famous for their waste and garbage in the streets. So maybe you buy a property, a nice palace in a central street in one of those cities, and you can't just get out of your front door because you have a weak old garbage like the whole street is full of garbage because they don't have enough people to go there and collect it uh, and then it stinks and it's not nice so maybe that is also something you want to check and double check and make sure because it could be a big inconvenience not only um, for the aesthetic of the street but also hygiene because of course, if you have the garbage on the street for days or weeks, like it sadly happens quite a lot in some parts of Italy, you have rats, you have bad smells, you even have wild boars in Rome getting closer and closer to homes because they find garbage, so they find food. And obviously a wild boar, if it's in the forest is not a problem, but if it's in the city, maybe it gets scared, sees people and hears noises, and then it can attack you and you could, you could even die. I mean, it's it's a big animal. So that's another ranking I double checked for you today. And then I have a last one, real estate construction when it's illegal. You know, we call them eco-mostri. So mostro is monster. Eco, it's obviously from ecologic or things like that, like uh, like a sore to see all these buildings that were built with no permits. So they are just plenty ugly to see. So maybe you buy a property on a nice beach and you have this horrible old factory just next to your house or in dangerous areas. And that's also a problem 
because Italy, I told you, we have uh, two mountain ranges, so the Alps and the Apennini. Uh, we have volcanoes. We have a lot of movements here and some earthquakes too. And if buildings like private homes, but also factories or hospitals or schools even are built without uh, all the permissions needed, it's maybe a dangerous area. They could just collapse. You could even die. And this happens, unfortunately, not that often, but it happened. So this is maybe something else you want to check because it's not just that the, those houses were built. You're like, okay, but I'm fine. I'm not just building my own house where I cannot build it. I'm going to buy a property. So it, all the documents are fine. Yeah, probably because we are Italian and we always find a solution. So what <laughs> happens here is that maybe uh, some architects, uh, some yeah, like firm or something built a complex, built a homes uh, or something like that in an area where they weren't allowed to because the soil was not good to build properties there. But they did it anyway. And then they asked for forgiveness. That's what we do. You pay a fee and you're given your condono. So like your forgiveness paper. And now you're fine and you can sell those homes like they were perfect ones. Wow. So you see where the problem is? You want to really double check and maybe make sure and talk to people and make sure that's an area where you can build. Because, for example, the climate is changing all over the world. We've been experiencing crazy weather in the past decade, I would say, like tropical storms here in Italy or even very bad drought. And then what happens is that all the trees die and then... So, the, the, so you can have landslide more easily because the trees are not there anymore and so on. So we have heard of neighborhood collapsing or getting flooded and people dying. And then everyone's saying, oh, yeah, but those houses were abusive. So they were not legal houses. Yeah, but still they were there and they had been there for 50 years, maybe. So we have a problem. Maybe you don't want to incur in that kind of problem. I actually have no idea how you can do that. Maybe avoiding those areas in general or just double checking. If they're building brand new houses there, you should be fine. Maybe around the property you've seen very, very close to it, you should be fine because now laws are stricter. So they have more control. So you should be fine. But if you buy in an area with just historical houses, those might all be abusive. So houses that were not supposed to be there, but it, they just look like normal houses, perfect houses, great Italian houses to have. But maybe you're, they are too close to a volcano or on a soil that can suffer from landslide or just below a mountain with a big rock about to fall. So maybe double check. And I have uh, rankings here too, too. So unfortunately, the worst region for um, abusi edilizi, so this illegal real estate constructions, is Campania, where 48.8 homes over 100 are illegal. <laughs> Can you believe wow. that? I, I actually can believe it, but still kind of shocking to hear that number. Does that mean that maybe a portion of this house, like maybe someone built a little shed off of the back of the house or someone added a window or added a door, does all that stuff contribute to something becoming illegal? Part of this 49% basically could be that, of course, just something but usually those are fine. Those are situations that get forgiven more easily. So they shouldn't be in the statistics. These are probably homes like with a whole floor that was added, like one more story to it. And then it could get dangerous, you see? Because if you just yeah. open a window where you're not supposed to, okay, yeah, not, not, not that terrible. But if you add a whole story to your villa, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. 
And now this is just for your safety, but even if it's not for your safety, what happens when you go to Campania? And I saw that a lot in Calabria, for example, you drive around, you have this beautiful coast line and these beautiful landscapes and the sun shining and hundreds, literally hundreds of buildings that are not finished. You just have the cement foundation and a few cement pillars and that's it and it gives the whole territory kind of a creepy look you know it's kind of old and abandoned it could be because they started off and once you start then it's hard for the government to go back maybe they i don't know they're all weird things and maybe when a baby's born they start building that house and they have no intention of finishing it until the baby boy or baby girl is 30 years old, ready to get it married. So maybe you're there, you have your beautiful house, your beautiful villa, and like a skeleton of a construction right there with rusty cranes and all weed growing around it. It's just not nice, not a nice view. You're coming here to see beautiful things. So as for illegal real estate construction, at the bottom of the rankings, we have Campania and then Basilicata and Calabria and Sicilia. And while the top, so the best ones where these uh, illegal construction are just a small 3%, like three homes over 100, is Friuli Venezia Giulia, so not far from Veneto, mm-hmm. Trentino Alto Adige, once again, that region that it's almost not Italy, of course, Piemonte and Val d'Aosta. So once again, yeah, the north. And the center, you see, never find that in those rankings or everything you find online because everyone forgets about the center. But um, I live here and I would say that I've never seen major problems with that there are no construction skeletons or things like that and also especially uh near florence and siena and arezzo it's like the very heart of tuscany and around perugia in umbria uh that's just so amazing because they really understood that the territory the beauty of the territory is what they have and so you're not even allowed to paint your shutters uh, red if you want to you have to pick one of the colors allowed in Tuscany or have special permissions or you can do that only if your original shutters were color very similar to that so everything is like a fairy tale when you are in the countryside then when you get into the city you might find some buildings that are not that beautiful but still so speaking of beautiful that's something and that was my experience too Before moving to Tuscany from Lombardia, so from the north, I came here on vacation, of course, getaways and weekends, and I loved it. And I was like, oh, everything is so beautiful. Everything is so amazing. Oh, Tuscany, Tuscany, Tuscany. So I was doing with Tuscany what you basically do with Italy, right? The whole nation. And then I moved here. And after a few months, I started realizing, hmm, this street is kind of dirty. Look here. All that garbage is left there. Or look at this road, so broken. And and then I started noticing even more and even more. Because when you come here, I mean, in Italy, or in my case, in Tuscany, on holiday, you just see the world differently. You just see the best. It's like when you first fall in love with someone, right? You don't see their faults at first, but nobody's perfect. (laughs) So maybe... What I suggest, my suggestion for you is to really come and try to look at things with a different approach before buying a property, because then you will be like, oh, that was so naive of me because it was right there in front of me. And I didn't see that monster of an old factory And I just bought a property next to it and I don't like it at all. And from my window, the only thing I can see, it's not the the sea, it's not the cypresses trees, it's that skeleton of a factory. So just take your time and try to spot the ugly and avoid it. 
because it's not that everything is ugly, of course, but there are areas even within a region or a city that are worse. So just try and look at that. Maybe you fell in love with Venezia mm -hmm, and you just look at the listings in Venezia and then there's an area in Venezia, but you don't realize it that it's not all Ponte dei Sospiri and Piazza San Marco, right? There are parts that are not that beautiful. And it doesn't matter if you say, oh, yeah, okay, it's not that perfect, but I'm in Venice. Yes, but what you see every single day when you open your window in the morning is that horrible old factory in front of you or the garbage right on your doorstep. So just double check, you know, be there and be present and have a look at it. And then you'll find the perfect place for you. You can buy a property all over Italy because it's just an amazing country. And even though crime rates are higher in the South, doesn't mean that in the North you're perfectly safe like anywhere else in the world. Uh, it's just be careful. Be careful wherever you go because even in the North, it's only 3% of illegal real estate construction, but maybe you don't realize it and it's just right in front of your property, the property you sell. So just be aware and double check everything. And most importantly, explore. That was my bottom line. I know it takes time. I know it takes money. But if you had the chance to, before actually moving to Italy forever, just take six months, a year would be great. Renting properties a few weeks here, a few weeks there and traveling through Italy and really living the area. Because when you are here and you look at things like a tourist, everything will just look so perfect. And it's not just the place. It might also be the time of the year. Because once again, that happened to me. I wanted to visit Lake Garda, so this beautiful lake in the north, uh, and Trento. Mm -hmm. This beautiful city in Trentino, Alto Adige in the north. Uh, but I was like, yeah, let's go out of season when there are no tourists. So let's go there in November with the foliage. It's perfect. It's fall. You don't have the summer tourists any longer because they all left. And the ski season hasn't started yet. So that's perfect. The whole month of November, let's explore the area. Let's go there. And yes, that's what we did. And it was just my husband and I, no restaurants open, no cafes open. We couldn't even have breakfast. And I'm talking about famous cities. I mean, villages or towns like this in Sano del Garda, for example. Or yeah, like famous ones on Lake Garda. And we wanted to go to a restaurant in Trento a very famous one. It was like amazing and they were closed for the whole month. So because it was out of season. So basically what I'm telling you is that maybe you fall in love with a city in the a little village in the Cinque Terre or Costiera Malfitana because you were there in July, in August, and that was amazing. And then November comes and it's just you. And you don't even have a shop to buy some bread in the morning because they're all closed and you will see them again in March. So if you had the chance before committing to buy a property to just be there, not maybe not the whole year, but go there in winter too or in summer too, you know, the four seasons and see how it works because maybe you decided you want to buy a property in the famous village right there in the Costiera Malfitana, for example, but that's just touristy. If you just buy a property 15 minutes drive from there, you can still enjoy the best of it during the summertime and still have services during wintertime or, or, or things like that, because that, that's just what, that's just what happens. Yeah. It's, it might seem so perfect if you're just here for a short time in the right time of the year. Mm -hmm. Such good advice. Such good advice. Yeah. So don't buy rent. And one nothing, of course, prices are not the same all over Italy. So that's something you should consider when deciding where to buy your home away from home, right? Or, or wait, no, your, your new home here in Italy. It's difficult. Once again, in the North, 
they are more expensive. So properties are more expensive in the South. They're cheaper, but obviously this is too difficult to compare because it depends if you want to buy a property in, uh, uh, well, in the center of Naples, even if it's the South, it's going to be very expensive, crazy expensive in the most amazing neighborhoods. While in a tiny village in Lombardia in the north, it's less expensive. But if you want Milan or if you want Como, the city like Como is famous. So first of all, the region, mm-hmm. it's more expensive in the north, less expensive in the south, generally speaking. Then it depends if it's a touristy area or not. And then another factor that really impacts uh, prices is the proximity to the city center. Because here in Italy, homes and houses that are in the city center that we call centro storico, so historical centers, because all of our centers are historical, uh, they're more expensive. In the city center, that's where you find homes and shops and restaurants at the piazza and the cafe, right? Why the suburbs, the outskirts of towns, you have, uh, well, buildings with um, like apartment complex, but also factories and offices or things like that. And then you have the countryside with the single villa, the beautiful villas, like detached. Now, the problem is that if you want to be in the very center, so the best part of the city, the beautiful one, like the quintessential Italian one with the terraces, that's going to be expensive, any region, basically. If you are in the outskirts, then it's cheaper. But if you want the beautiful villa, just even though it's far away from all services, it's going to get expensive again because it's in a beautiful area. So it's really difficult to tell. But there is one thing I can tell you, that if you find a list you're browsing for properties here in Italy and you find the listings with a property you fall in love with and it's very, very cheap. It looks like a great deal. There's a reason for that. There is. I mean, it's not that, oh, you found the, I don't know, when you go scavenger hunting, oh, I found it, I found it, that's the best thing. Nobody else found it. It's only me, me, me. Wow, that's, how could I not? Wow, everyone else couldn't find it, but I could. No, there's a reason why the price is so low. It's so great. I don't know. I don't know why, but it could be because it's next to an airport. So maybe you have planes uh, landing and taking off all day long. Or it could be because it has a lot of problems. And that happens especially with old farms, old properties to restore. Because back in the past, there weren't many laws on how to build a house. And so people just built, I mean, my own house was originally built, I think, in the 1700s, maybe. I don't know. They're, they're, they're all old here. And so maybe uh, the price is so low because uh, low because if you want to restore it, uh, you have to literally destroy it and build it all over again or change things and documents. So you're going to spend a lot of money to restore it to follow the rules we have today. Mm-hmm. And the project has to be completely done from scratch or I don't know. Or maybe it's so cheap because there's a highway about to be built just next to it. And you think you have a lot of land and then you don't. Or Mm. once again, maybe there are no water pipes, no electricity lines getting to that property, especially if it's sort of in the middle of nowhere and secluded. And you have to pay for the pipes and the cables to get there from the main road, which maybe is like three kilometers away. And it's a lot of money because it's not just your private one. It should be the huge ones from our public electricity and public water. So there is a reason. Okay. Don't just say, oh, that's, uh, you cannot believe what I found. Because if you cannot believe it, it's not true. (laughs) You can have good deals, of course. If the property you found is in within the price range, 
we're looking for and similar properties are pretty much the same price, then it could work in the same area. But if it's just something amazing, there's a reason. And so once again, my tip is just wait. One of the very first thing I told you with my segment La Vera Italia is that everything is complicated in Italy. Every single thing, right? And it takes time and I don't even know why, but yeah, it's so complicated. And we never rush into a decision. We take our time because we know it's complicated. So properties can stay on the market for years. And by years, I mean, even 10, 15 mm-hmm. Obviously, once again, not all properties, if you are in a city center, uh, bigger cities especially, then they're sold pretty quickly. But then you can find another one. I'm talking about the good deal that you're probably looking for, you know, like a trullo in Puglia or a masseria, which is a typical farm in Puglia, or like a nice house on the Costiera Malfitana, the Cinque Terre, things like that. They could stay on the market for literally years. So don't rush into your decision. Go there in person, double check, and then double check again and have a look around. And just don't, don't, just don't, okay? Don't rush into it. Don't buy the first property you fall in love with. And then my last tip is, to really have some, once you've decided where you want to be in Italy, and once you've decided the exact area you want, then it's time to decide if you want to buy a new property or ready to live or a property to restore. Because restoration in Italy, it's crazy. Trust me, I'm helping friends doing that. Uh, my husband works in the real estate building um, business, so I know what I'm talking about. Restoring in Italy is just the craziest thing you could ever imagine, even for us, for Italians who speak the language and sort of have an idea of the different laws and rules, while you're completely clueless when you come here. So it's harder for you. And it's going to be more expensive than you thought it would be. So my last tip is to just sit down. And if you find a property to restore and it's a very good deal, just talk to someone and have like um, a budget, a preventive budget to understand how much you're going to spend. And then in your mind, you double that. And that's what you're going to need. Okay. And at that point, you decide if it's worth it because you're going to have a nice house that you restored exactly like you wanted, or if it was better just to buy a property ready to live in. So it depends if you like restoration works and you like being involved in the process, get ready because it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. You're going to, yeah, things are going to drive you crazy, basically. Uh, but then you have exactly what you want. Or if it's better to just stick with something that it's ready to go. So once again, make sure you ask people, you ask for something written. And from that figure they give you, just double it, just to make sure that's going to be your budget. That's probably hard for some some of us to hear. But sometimes the best things that we can hear are not always the easiest things for us to hear. (laughs) Right? I know. I know. Sorry. No, it's good, but it's so good to have a realistic view on on what we should expect, because I think that one of the worst things would be to come to the situation with this this idea like the under the Tuscan sun dream where you're going to move. You're just going to knock down a bunch of walls. You know, the one thing that 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 movie never shows, it never shows a single geometra. It never shows an architect. It never shows uh, someone from the city coming to check that your permits are all in order. It doesn't have any of that stuff. It just has, you know, someone just just restoring an old villa. And it's just very charming and everything. So picturesque and perfect, except for maybe a, a few animals that sneak into the house. But That's not what it really is like. Mm -mm, It's not. I I love the idea of renting, like you mentioned, renting a place 
in an area that you think you might like, find a rental for at least a few months and live there and see if you still like it. My first two years in Italy almost has been spent mostly in the north. So I've become accustomed to the way things go in the north. So the further south I go is going to be, there's going to be a drop in the quality of life a little bit that I'm going to have to really decide, am I okay with that? And I might, there's probably going to be some payoffs. And so I I really have felt like, man, we're just, I'm, I'm so behind. I'm so behind on when I thought I would own a place. And when I say a place, I mean the place, not just a little apartment that we're going to just have for when we're visiting family or when we want to come up to the North, but a really, really like permanent, the, the place of a lifetime. That that decision cannot and should not be rushed because if it's rushed, it's an almost irreversible decision. Especially in Italy, because if buying a property takes time, selling a property takes longer. So you don't want to rush into that decision because it's not that easy. You cannot just say, okay, I'll buy a property, live there. If I don't like it after two years, I'm going to sell it. Because you're not selling it that quick and you're losing money all the time because it's very expensive. We have a lot of fees to pay when buying or selling properties. So, yeah, your home should be the home. Excellent. 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 Thank you so much, Vera. That was fantastic. Grazie mille, Vera. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Oh, thank you, Vera. That was another fantastic segment. And I'm so glad we were able to conclude this two-part list of yours about how to find what's really the best place for you to purchase property or to make your home in Italy. Whether you're a part-time Italian, whether you're going to live here full-time, whether you're just going to get a vacation house here, for whatever reason, wherever you're going to call home, It's something you're going to want to really, really think long and hard and do plenty of research and take your time. Like Veda said, don't be in a hurry. That's the most important thing. It's, it's something I'm currently really struggling with because I'm in a hurry. I felt like I've been in a hurry since I got to Italy at the end of 2020. I was in a hurry then, and I've really kind of shifted from feeling rushed to feeling really grateful that some of the places I originally thought I wanted to live, I've discovered that those places wouldn't really be the right fit for me. I wouldn't ultimately be happy there long term. So I'm feeling very, very grateful that the process is still ongoing. The search is still going on. And eventually we will find that place in Italy. And I'm so excited I'm really thinking it's going to be in the year 2023. Could never have imagined what the year 2022 held. I can't even begin to imagine all the wonderful things the next year is going to hold. I hope that you've had a wonderful 2022 as well. It's been absolutely a pleasure to share it with you. So that brings us to our surrounding sounds for today's episode. And I've got a couple surrounding sounds to share with you. Like I said, I've got the sound of those guys coming and trying to take the washing machine out of the building and in the bathroom flooding. So I've got some of those sounds. And then I've got some sounds shopping with my mother-in-law and Alessandro's aunt separately. So there's shopping with Alessandro's mother, shopping with his aunt. And you can maybe hear me t trying to speak Italian to them. And anyway, so enjoy those surrounding sounds. And I'll be back afterwards to say goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah,
già a casa ma loro non me li portano no. e allora glieli compro io okay. cioè per fargli perdere un po' di tempo no questo è diverse so di più ma tanto non cambia perché tanto li butto tutto è una palla di spugna mm. o macchinine di gomma lui con 100 cioè questa è l'impila questa no no questa è meglio perché ce l'ha a casa però comunque è sempre bello che lui magari certo certo può fare anche e poi ci vorrebbe qualche macchinina in gomma ma non credo che ne troviamo vabbè niente vado a vedere vado a chiedere per i passeggeri tu vedi se c'è qualche giocattolo che ti sembra il noco per voi Questo mi pare che leggero però ce l'hanno. Ah, guarda, guarda, guarda. Qua, qua. Aiuto! Aiuto, signore! Cosa l'ha fatta? Eh, ma devi vedere l'ego. Cioè. <ride> 
No, posso pure, ma non voglio sbagliare perché come dire. Sì, sì, sì. E ma come lo fa a vedere? Come fa a vedere la vendita? Eh, anche questo, anzi. Un foto? Eh, questo, ah, bravo, allora. Cioè, questo è il prezzo per la luce. Guarda, questo è il prezzo. Ah, adesso. Però eh, perfetto. Ok, per parmigiana. I hope you enjoyed those sounds from this week in Italy. I want to thank you so much for coming back here and sharing this time with me, but not just sharing this time, but sharing this whole year with me and sharing the last two years with me. Whether you've just recently found the podcast and you've just gotten caught up or whether you've been listening since the very beginning, however and whenever you started listening and, and however long you've been here, I just want to thank you for being here week after week with me. And I can even say month after month and year after year, we've been together and we've been on this adventure together. And I hope that you are learning from some of my mistakes. And I hope that you are having your Italian dream continue as you hear what's going on here. And hopefully I bring a little bit of reality to those dreams of yours. And hopefully I don't discourage you. I want to do nothing but encourage you as you move here. And I just want to offer as much guidance and help as possible while sharing my sort of crazy, fumbly, bumbling story with you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate, even if you don't celebrate, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. And Happy New Year. Happy 2023 to you as well. I look forward to being back here with you next year to welcome 2023 with you. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.